right, good morning, Vertical Church. Hey, I'm Pastor Josh. I'm the pastor here on behalf of my wife, Jessica, and the rest of our team. Just want to say we're so glad that you joined us today. Very special day, Father's Day. Let's give it up for all the fathers in the room. Happy Father's Day. Those of you that are watching online, happy Father's Day. Those of you watching online, we just want to welcome you as well. I want to let you know that you can use the chat section today if you're on Facebook. Help me preach the sermon today, uh, but grateful that you've joined us online as well. I want to acknowledge a couple special fathers that are here today. One is my father-in-law. He is out uh, keeping us safe today. He's working security, so he's serving on fathers today. But love you, Jim. I know if you can see me on the TV, grateful for you. And then my dad, on Father's Day, we found the darkest, deepest, corner to put him in. And so he's over there on Father's Day. That's how we honored him. Just kidding. Love you, Dad. We said a whole bunch of, I said a whole bunch of mushy things in the first service that I mean dearly, um, but then I ran out of time for service. So this week I'm going to, or this sermon, I'm going to jump into it, but honor you, Dad, uh, as well. And then also want to just take a minute before we jump into service and uh, want to honor first-time guests. If it's your first time visiting us today, grateful that you've joined us today. Want to let you know that we prepared a couple things for you just down the hallway past the coffee bar. Uh, we have a information table and our lead team is back there and they have a gift they'd like to give you. Just let you know about some of the things we have going on at the church. I promise they're not going to sign you up for anything or enroll you. It's just our way of being directly available to you and connecting with you. And again, that's down the hallway at the end of service. But excited excited for today. Uh, I'm going to pray in just a minute and ask God to speak to us. Now, as much as this sermon is aimed at dads, and and I'm going to use fathers kind of as the example today, and we'll talk that way. The reality of this sermon is, is for everybody. If you're breathing, you can make a difference in the next generation. And so it's for moms, dads, grandparents, it's for everybody. I believe that the next generation is, is uh, not just sort of like, well, let's see how they turn out. Instead, we have something to impart to them. Amen. And so as much as this is aimed at dads today, uh, it's really for all of us. And I hope you can take something from it. Uh, let's pray and we'll jump into it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for how you love us and lead us. God, I thank you that you're equipping me, you're empowering me to preach this sermon in a way that brings you glory. God, we want to receive all that you have from it. Lord, we want to not just hear it, but we want to be people who do it. I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Tuesday, I'm in my office and I'm kind of putting some of the final touches on this sermon for Father's Day that I've been putting together for quite a while. And uh, I was going to preach on Elisha and uh, I was kind of between a couple different titles. It was either going to be like Tornado Dad or it was going to be Double Portion Dad. And I'm all excited about it. I'm making a few arrangements to it. And then God's like, don't preach that sermon. And I'm like, well, it's Tuesday and I got to preach on Sunday. So, you know, we got to, and sure enough, he leads me into this sermon and begins to speak to me. And so I got a very sort of real and raw sermon. Um, it, it went for quite a while in first service just because I felt like in a way I jumped in a river. At some point I was like going underwater and then in the sermon I was going backwards and upside down and God was just speaking all different kind of ways. And so um, that's probably why he has me do it this way. It's because God really clearly and powerfully wants to move by his spirit and say something to all of us today. And, um, and, I, and, I, and I believe that he's going to do that. Amen. Title of my sermon is Dedicated Dads. Dedicated Dads. You know, as a dad, we can be dedicated to a lot of things. 
some small things like maybe you're a dad who's excited about your yard. I am. I like to keep a nice green, crisp the lines. I like everything looking really good. And so maybe you're just like, let's get that lawn right. That's important. It's one of my responsibilities as a dad is to get that yard right. Maybe it's bigger things for you that you're really dedicated to. Maybe you're somebody who's like, hey, when I get to a certain age or a certain year in my career, I want to climb the corporate ladder. By this time, I want to be here in my company. And you're really dedicated to that. Or maybe for you, it's like a a life savings amount or uh, it's a financial number, a net worth amount that you're saying, hey, by here, I want to make this much. There's all of these different things that we can be dedicated to that. It can take our effort. It can take our energy. It can take our mental space. But the reality is if God has blessed you and gifted you uh, with a child, son or daughter, there is nothing greater to be dedicated to than the raising and the stewardship of that young person's life. Can I get an amen? Of all the things you could put your hand to, and careers are good, and money's important, all those things are important, but God has chosen you as a vessel to be somebody who raises up and stewards a young person with a tremendous destiny. Are you with me today? And again, I'm saying to everybody in here, maybe you're a future dad or, 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 or you're a grandparent, whatever it is, God has placed in us the ability to impact a generation. I don't think that our friendships, our house size, or who we know is the most important things we have in our life. I think the most important thing we have in our life is what we tuck in bed at night. That thing, that gift, that blessing the scripture calls it, that God gave us, that we get to steward and manage and invest and impart into, and then we get to tuck away at night. That should take our dedication and our commitment and our zeal. Are you with me tonight? The funny thing about parenting, though, is it's hard. (laughs) And it's crazy. And the funny thing, as I was going to say, the funny thing about parenting is it doesn't take you very long to realize we don't know very much about parenting. (laughs) I remember when I was a young person and I had all my young, unmarried, unkid friends and we're all hanging out and we would say very ignorant things like this. Oh, when I have kids, my kids will never do those kind of things. When I raise kids, my kids, they're all going to be like this. And when I'm a parent, I'm going to be like this. And then all of a sudden you realize like Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. (laughs) Everyone has this big idea of what kind of parent you're going to be until kids show up in your life. And then you're like, I know nothing about this. And I thought about it now. This is basically our philosophy now. This is how we speak about having our kids. We say, uh, you know, things going on with our kids and we say, As far as I know, I don't think they would do anything crazy. As far as I know, I don't think they'll. We leave and we say to each other, like, should be fine. I think it's going to be okay. I don't, because parenting, man, it just teaches you you don't know much about it, which brings me to this point, the point that applies to all of us as parents and grandparents. We need help in this thing called parenting. And I'm so grateful that God gave us his word. And in his word, it gives us directions about how to lead and how to manage and how to steward these young people that we're raising. Are you with me? So point number one is this. Dedicated dads pursue wisdom. If you're here and you're a, you're a dad and, or you're a grandparent, you're somebody who must be committed and prioritized and dedicated to getting wisdom. What's weird about this is uh, we seem resistant to getting wisdom or advice or help when it comes to church. Oh, I hope pastor's not preaching a sermon on being a dad. Oh, he's going to make me feel a way about my parenting. I hope he doesn't. No, this is a place where we come in and we get wisdom from God. Are you with me? And it's funny, like in natural life, we're not resistant to getting help. If you have a home project, you say, oh, hey, I need to build this thing or do this stuff. You go down to the hardware store and you find someone and you say, hey, will you help me? 
I'm thinking about doing this project. Will you help me with this? I want to do this. Or you go on YouTube and you get some information about how to build something. We have no problem in the natural world going and seeking out help. If you're going on a trip, maybe you're going to go away somewhere and say, hey, we, we've never been here. We've never checked it all out. We want to, and, and, and you go seek out some help. You find a travel advisor. You go on YouTube. You watch some videos about these things, and you look for help about your trip. Why is it that we're so resistant to getting help when it comes to raising our kids? Yeah. We say things to each other like, I wish they'd mind their own business. I'll parent my own child. <laughs> I do say that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's 7 a.m. and he has a Mountain Dew. Mind your own business. <laughs> but help, getting wisdom is important. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. It's pretty easy in the day and the hour that we live that, that we can be pretty swervingly through all this crazy culture. Stuff's just got us going all over the place. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. You know, God made some promises over our parental life. God did promise us some stuff, and he's faithful in that. Can I get an amen today? And then we've been saying this week after week, and let us consider how we spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit are doing of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. This scripture says, hey, to, to keep from being someone who's swerving all over the place like a mess, Make sure you get into church where you can spur each other on toward wisdom and counsel and advice. And we can get some help from one another as we get together and encourage one another. Are you with me? Yeah. That's what Dudes and Donuts is about. That's why we come together as men. Not because we're like, man, we feel like these guys need a donut. No, we're like, hey, let's get together, talk about what God's doing, and then share wisdom with one another. Let's do this thing together. Men's breakfast. Hey, as much as men's breakfast can make a pretty good omelet and they make a really good biscuit over there at the farmhouse... Men's breakfast isn't designed so that you can have a meal. It's designed so that we can come together as the men of the church and share wisdom with one another. Because a dedicated dad is somebody who's pursuing wisdom, and God designed the church to be a place where we can find that wisdom. Are you with me today? God doesn't graduate us just because we age up. Just because you grow old doesn't mean you grow up. Some of you still have that 50-year-old friend who acts like he's in high school still. Don't elbow them, right, elbow them right now. But just because you grow old doesn't mean you grow up. Being somebody who seeks and pursues and goes after wisdom, that's how we grow in the things of God. Are you with me today? I remember when uh, we first got our puppies, we got two golden retrievers last year, and uh, they're a little over one years old, but I was like, maybe we should put them in a puppy training class. Maybe we should get them in this training class. And so I look it all up, and I look at the itinerary, and it's like puppy training, and then the last two days of the whole thing were training for basically the parents, the, the people, the owners. I'm like, two days of training for the owners. This is ridiculous. But the puppy class knew this. If you don't know anything about training, how are they ever going to learn thing about training? How can we believe that we're going to somehow raise up our kids if we aren't getting wisdom and understanding and training in the way that we ought to be training them? Can I get an amen today? And here's why it's so important that we get this right, that we get this right. The most important thing in your life, it's not your job or how you manage your health or how you manage your finances. The reason it's so extremely important for us to understand how to manage and steward and raise up our kids is because kids come with a generational promise. Scripture says what you do and what you put in your kids, it goes on to them and to their children, their children's children's. There's multiple generational things that we're putting into our kids that live on. We got to make sure we get it right. 
And if I'm telling the truth today, and it's pretty, uh, pretty intense and, and, and honest to say this, most of the areas that you're messed up in today are because those were places that your parents were messed up in. Most of the places that you aren't healthy, it's because those were unhealthy environments that you experienced as a child. So we got to be a people who say, hey, we're going to put a stop to this. We're going to take God's truth and his wisdom and we're going to apply it so that we can put a generational stop on some of these curses. Are you with me today? So we are over here saying, man, it's so important that we get this right. Raising our kids, investing in our kids, getting our kids raised up. We're saying it's so important. But the reality is, and we did this even in our staff meeting, we were talking. The reality is if I polled you all, hey, what's your plan? What's your design? What are the values for raising kids? Most of us, by the time we would describe it, it would sound like we're just winging it. We're just winging parenting. Hey, what's your plan for how your kids use their devices? Hey, what's your plans for how your kids? And we'd be like, well, maybe sometimes I guess I look at it every, we don't have a plan. We're winging one of the most important assignments God has in our life. Proverbs 4, 5 says this, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. We got to go get this wisdom. You have to get understanding and we don't turn away from it. Proverbs 4, 7 says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Get some wisdom. We got to have wisdom that says this, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. The, the translation or, or kind of the, the meaning behind it costs you all that you have. Hey, you might have grand plans of going on trips and being social and having friends and being all this kind of stuff. But as a parent, if you have to kind of pivot your life to, hey, I got to give up some of these things because I need to pursue wisdom because I want to get it right with my kids. Yeah. That may be the way we have to walk. Are you with me? Wisdom is different than knowledge. All of us could answer things about parenting because we have knowledge. But wisdom is knowing how to apply the knowledge you have. All of us know a bunch of stuff, but the way that you can tell that you're walking in wisdom is when you're taking what you know and you're applying it properly. Wisdom is knowing how to apply the knowledge that you have. Here's an example. Knowledge is knowing that pineapple is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing it doesn't belong on pizza. Okay? So if you're somebody here who eats pineapple on your pizza, the altars are open. We're going to pray for your deliverance. Come out, you pineapple devil. Pineapple just belongs in rum. I mean, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just, But wisdom, we got to pursue it. We can't be resistant to, oh, I don't need your advice. I don't want your help. I need you to stay over here. No, we need to be people who seek dedicated dads. Amen? Point number two is this. Dedicated dads don't avoid the disaster. A dedicated dad isn't somebody who runs and flees from and hides from the disaster. It's funny. A dad in in real life, in the natural world, something breaks. He hears something break. He hears something tumble and fall over. He says, I'm coming. I'm coming. Let me take a look at it. What's happening over here? I'm going to take a look at this. What's happening? The whole shed fell over. Well, that's not that bad. We can fix that. (laughs) Dad says something like, I got a couple screws that'll work for that. Put that right. It's the worst when the kids get injured, right? Your kid gets injured and dads do the worst job when somebody gets injured and dad shows up and he's like, yeah, come over here. Let me, let me take a look at it. What happened? Oh yeah, that really got you. And that makes the kid feel even worse about it. And then we take it one step further. Even we're like, oh, whoa, yeah, that's a real good one. That really got you. I guess we better chop it off. We're supposed to be comforting and showing like, and then we just keep making it worse. 
But dads run to it and then, oh, you got hurt? Oh my gosh, let's look at it. We can fix this. We can put this back together. The famous one, like, I got a few pieces of wood that'll work for that. And you say to your wife, see, that's why we save all that wood <laughs> over there. <laughs> but in the natural, it's like, yeah, oh, I can handle that. I can jump in. We can put, this isn't that bad. But for some reason, spiritually, culture's broken right now. And it needs some dedicated dads to step in and say, hey, I'm coming. I got something that can fix that. I got the word and his truth and I got the love of God on the inside of me. I can step in and be a repair to this. But for some reason, spiritually, men are just retreating. We're just letting this broken culture stay broken. And we're not stepping in and saying, hey, I'm the man of God and God positioned me to be a leader and I'm going to come in and I'm going to bring a solution to this. Instead, we let this whole generation go to their guidance on TikTok. Where are the men? Someday when we get to heaven, we're going to get up there and we're given given account for what we've done with our life. And we're going to say, oh, when the generation was a mess and it was a disaster and they were running to TikTok for their answers, we're going to say, well, but God, didn't you see? I had a serious job. I, I, I worked hard. I was busy. I deserved a little Miller time. Am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth today? So we got to be a people who run to the disaster. Proverbs 22, 6, one of my favorite because it's a promise, but also annoying because it feels like it's lacking. Proverbs 22, 6, New King James says this, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Awesome. We get this promise in the beginning, train up your child and invest in them. And then you get this promise at the end. When they get old, they won't depart from it. Oh, this is amazing. We're going to train them. We're going to see them walk in it. Yeah, but what about the middle? Because the middle is a circus. Like, okay, the beginning, the end, what's going to happen in the middle? It's going to be a mess in the middle. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Living through the middle. Our house, there are days that I come home and I'm like, has the county fair moved into the inside of our house? There's engines running. There's animals everywhere. There's people yelling things about food all throughout our house. It smells like manure. I can't find Jess. The kids are like, she's in the closet crying. I'm like, who put her there? They're like, she did it herself. (laughs) It feels like a press conference. Honestly, I get home, I get home and and, and I get there and all the kids come around. It feels like I'm holding a press conference. Like, no, Caroline, I already answered that yesterday. Yes, we're leaving at 2 p.m. No, you can't eat that. It's like you're answering all these things. No, I reiterated that. Didn't you read the memo? I already said that over there. Dad, what are we doing three years from now on May 21? I have no idea what we're doing on three. Charlie's gotten in a habit where he's asking these very like odd particular questions. Dad, how old were you when Patrick Mahomes was a rookie? I don't know. Dad, where did you live when Barry Sanders retired? I don't know. In a van down by the river? I have no idea, Charlie. The middle's a mess. It's a mess. It's crazy. But the middle is where we win, guys. We run into the middle of the disaster. God called you to be the problem-solving men, the guys who can come in and alongside you with your spouse, with your helper. You guys come in, and we can win in the middle. Can I get an amen? Amen. Point number three, dedicated dads don't outsource discipleship. You don't hire somebody to disciple your kids. That's your call. This culture has done a hard job of like, oh, we want our kids to play sports Let's get them with a coach. Let's get them with a trainer. That's how they'll learn sports. Oh, our kids, we want them to be well-educated. We're going to get them a teacher. We're going to get them a a, a tutor. We're going to get them somebody that can teach them education. Oh, of course, we take them to a dentist. We take them to a doctor. We take them to a vocal coach. All these other things we outsource, we take them to those things. But God has called you to be the shepherd of your home. 
You're the gatekeepers of your children's spiritual development. It's not something that we can hand off and outsource. We can't say, well, I want my kids to grow up in the things of God, and so I'm going to bring them to church, and I'm going to put them in Sunday school, and then they'll get it. No, Sunday school and church is just the cherry on top of what you've been baking all week. The scripture says even about me as a pastor, I'm not your spiritual life. The scripture says that I'm just the one who comes alongside and equips you to go do the work and the discipleship and the function of the ministry. Are you with me today? I can't imagine, as I even just mentioned a minute ago, dads, you get to heaven and you're standing before Jesus. And he says, hey, man, I saw your career. I saw that you did because the scripture says we're going to give an account. I can't imagine standing before the Lord and he gets to the part. He says, oh, hey, uh, let's talk about how you discipled your kids and how you poured into your kids. And you say, yeah, Jesus, that one. um, I did a really good thing. I signed that to my wife. My wife did all of the spiritual stuff with our kids. No, we're the gatekeepers. We have something to say in our kids. Can I get an amen? Here's the problem, and here's what makes it difficult, is healthy parenting can only come from your overflow. The overflow is our presence, our time spent with God. Uh, anointing is the only thing that makes my words effective. Otherwise, it's just a speech. If I'm not spending time with God... I guarantee you would notice in my sermons. If you're not spending time with God, your kids will notice in your speeches. The difference between a speech and an impartation to your kids is your time spent in the presence of God. Kids can smell a speech from a mile away, but kids can also smell an impartation from a mile away. Can I tell you something? Kids want an impartation. They want to receive wisdom. They want, to, they want, they want from the, the wealth of your wisdom and the, the overflow of your presence and your time spent with God. Can I get an amen? I have a lot of Christian friends in my life. I have a lot of people that label themselves Christians. They call themselves Christians. But when I need help, when I'm in crisis, when I, when I need something, that I'm, there is a handful of people that I'll actually call because I know that those people are the people that spend time in the presence of God. And they're going to give me an, an anointed advice versus just a speech. You know what I'm talking about today? And dads, we have to be a people who have something to say. And it has to come from the presence of God. Your kids ought to hear you walk around the house and say, boy, I was just reading this the other day. Hey, son, daughter, can you believe this? I just heard this and it means this. Sometimes it's uber spiritual. And sometimes it's me like last week where I say to the kids, hey, you know, like a palm tree. And palm trees like this, and God says this. And you can just say, hey, that, you know, the sparrow, do you know that God says this about birds? And you can just say something. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But I'm saying the kids need to see you walking around going, boy, I was reading the other day and I heard this. Because you know what the kids hear me say all the time? They hear me talk about sports stats all the time. They hear me talk to my buddies about this and that, all these other things. How much more so do they need to hear me talking about the overflow of my Bible reading life? How much more so do they need to hear the overflow of, boy, the other day I was just worshiping. Boy, the other day I was just praying for somebody. Are you with me? Our kids hate it when we fast. We go on 21 days of prayer and fasting. They hate it because that means like we don't go out to eat for 21 days. But you know what those kids are beginning to realize? Hey, they're dedicated. There's an overflow that's going to come out of our parents because they're committed to fasting. Are you with me? I think one of the greatest things that could ever be said over your life is, oh, it ran in our family. This thing, this addiction, this habit, this way of thinking, it used to run in our family until it ran into me. 
And then I got in the presence of God. And I got committed to breaking this generational curse. And I manned up and I became a dedicated dad. And I said, this is the generation that it stops. And I fell in love with the presence of God. And I saw that broke off my life. Can I get an amen? Our kids need to see us fasting, praying, declaring, abstaining from some things. Can I get an amen? I thought about David and Goliath. It's amazing about that story because David didn't kill Goliath because he hated Goliath. He had no history with Goliath. He was actually being obedient to his assignment. So he's walking in obedience, fruit of the spirit. He's walking down, being, being what, walking in what God's called him to. But the scripture says the reason he got engaged is because he heard Goliath, the giant, saying and defying his God. So David, out of his love for God, yeah. slew the giant. He said, not because of my hatred and my anger and my retaliation. Instead, he said, because I love God so much, because I'm such a presence-driven, love-for-God guy, that giant won't stand anymore because of the love that I have for my God. That's the kind of dads our kids need in their home. Are you with me today? Kids need to see us talking about God and the presence of God. We ought to leave church saying, oh, it was so good to worship today. Instead of saying things like, Worship was good today. They played a few songs I like. No, it was good to worship today. I don't care who sang or what happened or what the lights were like or how loud it was or how much smoke. It was good to worship in the house of God today. They need to hear us talk about our worship experience. Well, it was good to hear the word today. I needed to hear that word. Pastor Josh actually got one right this week. It was good to hear. But you need to get back in the car and you need to say, boy, that was a good word I needed to hear. They need to hear you talking about absorbing a sermon. They need to hear you talking about how you love your brother and sister in Christ. Boy, it's good to be at church and see sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so. Instead of you get back in the car and say, I can't believe she was here. Did you see what they were? Am I telling the truth today? They need to see us talking about the house of God. I said this last week, church cannot be optional. If it's optional for you, it becomes unimportant to the next generation. Church is not a Saturday night decision. Hey, are we going to go to church? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? No, no. Church has to be a commitment, a predetermined commitment. You have to have values, and, and, and church commitment is one of them. Uh, extracurricular is okay. Having your kids involved in other things is okay. But they say statistically a parent will spend between $2,300 and $2,700 a year on extracurricular activity. Dance, sports, all the different things. You'll also spend somewhere between 300 to 400 hours preparing them and bringing them and attending all of their things within the year. And the reality is your child's percentage of actually going on and living and being active in one of those things they're involved in is 0.005% chance they go on to use those things beyond high school. I think saxophone class is awesome, but not likely your kid is going to be Kenny G. It's awesome your kids are involved in sports, but they're probably not going to go on to be Michael Jordan. Have them involved and be in those kind of things, but make sure you set your values. Why? Because there's a 100% chance your kid is going to face eternity and stand before God. And we're going to make sure that extracurricular didn't win out over a kingdom. We're not going to outsource the discipleship of our kids. Are you with me? Kids need to know your values. They hear you walking around and murmuring and complaining about other values. They know how you feel about Bud Light values. They know how you feel about Target values. They know how you feel about Fox News values. Do they know how your values are? Do they know what your biblical principles are? We say this in our house. We've had conversations with our kids. We will never do anything consistently that consistently takes us away from God's house. 
Sports are okay, and you can miss here and there, and I understand all that kind of stuff. But we've told Caroline, as she's advanced in gymnastics and it's going to take her out onto the road and miss a bunch of Sundays and do weekends, we said, honey, we will never miss the house of God consistently. We'll never do anything consistently that consistently makes us miss. Are you with me? If you don't set your values, this is just the reality. You can't like push pause and ignore it. If you don't set your values, culture will. So somebody's going to set the value for your kids. You need to set what they are. Values are achieved by design, not by default. We don't like random results. Imagine if I came up to you and said, hey, you're going to do something for 18 years, 18 to 20 years, your kids will be in your house. You're going to do something for 18 years. And at the end of it, we'll see what we get because we're just letting culture decide the results. You would be like, I'm not signing up for 18 years of what it possible. That's why we need to set our values. Are you with me? Point number four. And I have four points, so this is my last point. Point number four is this. Dedicated dads must be the loudest prophetic voice in their kid's life, in their child's life. You say, Pastor, I'm not a prophet. Yes, you are. The scripture says that life and death is in the power of our tongues. What we say, what we speak is what we get. God said, the scripture says that we're made in God's image. What God spoke and the world was. What you say comes into existence. And you could get superficial about this and be like, well, then Ford Mustang. Obviously, that's not what I'm not not abusing. But I'm saying what we decree, what we declare, what lines up with the word of God that we continue to speak into the atmosphere will come to be. Can I get an amen? Think about this. Bullying that your kids experience and that you experienced. Bullying is demonic prophecy over your child's life. And the enemy is very smart about how he does it because most of the time, bullying and demonic prophecy over your kid's life is very short. Why is it short? It's because it remembers, it sticks, it's sharp. You grew up and you heard you're dumb, you're ugly, you're a failure, you're fat, you're stupid, you're trash, you're a loser. All these short little prophetic demonic things that were declared over you, they stick. And so what are you trying to say about that, Pastor? I'm saying that's why your prophetic voice needs to be the loudest and the most in their life. We have to be a people who continue to speak. We say, well, I don't know much about prophecy. Well, here's what prophecy is. Profess what you see. Prophecy. Profess what you see. I'm prophesying what I see over my kids. And what I see is I see God's word and God's truth. I see it all over their life, and I'm going to continue to declare it over life. How many are with me? And so as your kids home, come home from school and they're bullied about things, you can say, well, that doesn't line up with this. And you become the loudest prophetic voice over them and you prophesy what you see over them. You say what you see over them. Yeah. You say, oh, I'm sorry that somebody said that about your skin color, but you know that diversity was God's idea and your skin is beautiful. Yeah. And you're a child and a daughter and a son and you're a royal priesthood. And it doesn't matter what those clowns at your school say. Are you with me? And we got to be the loudest prophetic voice over our kids. I kind of had to walk through this in a challenging way with my son, Charlie. He's eight now, but a few years ago, he was in a little bit of confusion with some superhero stuff that he was watching. And uh, it wasn't anything intense or rated R or whatever. It was a pretty mild show on CW, but it had a lot of multiverses to it. So the superheroes would run to all these different worlds and there would be copies of the same person on all the other world, kind of a confusing thing. But as this superhero, the Flash would run as fast as he could. He could run to all these different dimensions and multi-universes. And as he was doing that, he would make mistakes and he would mess up this universe and then that would cause that universe to be messed up. And so many times in the episode, uh, the Flash, the guy would mess things up and he would say, I'm not meant to be here. 
And so he would say that along the lines as the, the superhero would say, like, because I did this in this metaverse, it messed this up because I'm not supposed to be over here. Well, my son would mess up. He would do something wrong in the house and he would think that way. He would. So we'd meet with him. We'd sit him down and say, buddy, you know better than that. You know, why'd you make that decision? He would say, I'm not meant to be alive. I'm not meant to be here, dad. I'm not meant to be here. And I had to become quickly the loudest prophetic voice in his life. How I many you know what I'm talking about? We have a pretty aggressive relationship. We like to wrestle and fight, punch each other, shoot each other. <laughs> and so very quickly as a dedicated dad with the prophetic power that God gave me, I would grab him by his shirt. I'd take the top of his head. I'd say, look at me. Charlie, you're meant to be here. You have a great purpose. You, God's got a great plan for you. We need you here. I want you here. Your friends want you here. God's going to do amazing things with you. But if I wasn't a dedicated dad and I didn't understand the power of my words, we don't know how that would fester and grow. You don't know how those lies the enemy would form and begin to build and begin to develop. How many know what I'm talking about? He says the same thing uh, sometimes with his sisters. He's got a little sister and really she's his best friend, but he gets annoyed with her. He gets all upset and he'll say, Dad, I don't even want sisters. And I'm like, I know, I had a sister too. They're the worst and it doesn't get better. Mine's 42 and she's still annoying. She's also listening online right now. But I'll say, say, no, buddy. No way, bro. Dude, God chose you to have that sister. And you get to protect them, and you get to lead them, and, you get, and I get to speak prophetically over them because as a dedicated dad, the loudest voice that they should be hearing is what we see and what we say. Are you with me today? Yesterday, our youngest, Callie, she's a, a dancer, a singer, I mean, to the point that it really does get really loud and obnoxious. Um, she, into the unknown, like in the car screaming, you know, and like I'm blowing through stop signs. And, she, and so she was dancing yesterday, and you know, and, and so we'll be in the car. She'll be singing really loud. And the kids are like, make her stop. And I got to say to the other ones, guys, it's her gift. Like, I know, I know it's loud. And trust me, I don't want to sing the Bowser song again. Peaches, peaches, you know, but it's like, it's her gift, guys. And we got to let her. She was dancing yesterday outside before we went to bed. And she's just out there dancing and singing. And I'm like, see, guys, it's her gift. She's going to be amazing. And she's like, stop the song. She's like, I am so sweaty. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's not cute, actually. <laughs> that's not going to take you far. <laughs> but we got to say what we see. We got to declare what we see. And this is where it gets really deep. Most of the time, they say we're the result of the loudest voice in our life. Who are we going to allow to be the loudest voice in our kid's life? Yeah. It's got to be us. Dads, moms, grandparents, it's got to be us. I believe silent parents are causing us to lose a generation of our children. We're not standing up and saying anything. We're not speaking the word of God in certain situations. We're just letting things happen. You don't have to be absent from the home to be an absent father. I believe we are living in a generation that is together alone. Everyone's on their device. We might sit at the same table, but each person is alone. We might ride in the same car, but each person is alone. We might sit in the same living rooms, but because of the devices and the addictions of these devices that we're on, people may be together, but they're alone. It's amazing to me with our kids. You can say, turn off the TV. They're like, okay. We can say, go put that toy away. They're like, okay. If we say, hey, give me that phone or that iPad. They're like, what is it that the enemy's doing with these devices? Can I tell you what he's doing? It's impossible to say what you see prophesy 
if your head isn't up seeing what's going on around you. If your eyes are stuck in a device, you can never prophesy over a generation what you see because you're not seeing anything. Can I get an amen? The Mayo Clinic says that the average family spends 90 seconds together a day of quality time. Most everything's in passing. Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do this? Quality time, 90. Listen, the average young person spends five to seven hours a day on a screen. If I take the average amount of time the average American person is in church, that means one day of a child on a screen flushes six months worth of church in their life. One day flushes six months. And we think our every other church attendance is enough. There, there is an attack on a generation and it's coming through these devices and through these screens. Do you know the inventors of social media don't care about your kid's welfare? They don't create that with guards and balances in place. Do you know that Steve Jobs himself wouldn't even let his kids have an iPhone because he knew the destructive pattern that that would get into? Do you know that 32% of teenagers will share explicit material with a partner or somebody that they're in relationship with? 32% of teenagers will share explicit material. And do you know that if that shared material made its way out or was sent to somebody else, do you know that that's trafficked porn and it's a felony? And 32% of teenagers are involved in it. I hope you're a dedicated dad paying attention to what's happening in our kid's life. Are you with me? Scripture says that our sons and our daughters shall prophesy in these last days. Sons and daughters shall say what they see, what God shows them. Why do you think the enemy has them so buried into a head down? Because he knows that he's toast. If this generation that God is raising up will look up from a screen and begin to declare what they see according to the things of God, we will see revival. Can I get an amen? Most of the people think when God spoke in scripture, they, they think he somehow spoke audibly. I heard God. I heard God. Do you want to know how God spoke most of the time in scripture? Through dreams and through visions. What's a dream and a vision? A dream and a vision is somebody seeing and saying something. I'm saying what I see. I'm saying what I see. They were prophesying what God showed them. The enemy fears a generation that responds to what they see. Do you remember what the generation right before? Again, I can preach all day now, but listen, we'll get you out of here and get you some Takis and you'll be happy. Do you know what the generation said before this generation? They said, just do whatever feels good. Just do whatever feels good. You, you do you do whatever feels good. It made it all about feelings. I believe God is raising up a generation that's going to be all about what they're seeing. Oh, I see that God is on the move. Oh, I see that God can take that depression and that anxiety. Are you with me? So how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we get our kids? How do we not outsource discipleship? How do we not give it to the Sunday school teacher or the Christian school? Well, God, you know, I sent my kids to Zealand Christian. He's like, but what did you do? What did you put in your kids? We have to create the atmospheres. This is how we do it. This is how we disciple. We create atmospheres in our homes and in our lives where the presence of God exists. You say, Pastor, I don't even know how I can do that in my home. My kids wouldn't know how to do that. How do we practice the presence of God in our home? How do I disciple them in God's presence in our home? You do it the same way you did anything else. You just begin practicing it with them. Well, I'm not, you know, my kids can't understand the presence of God. They can't practice the presence of God uh, until they understand it. Well, that's weird because you practiced everything else with your kids growing up. Do you know how much fake food I ate because my kids were practicing eating cookies, cooking? 
Do you know, do you know how much fake makeup we did, right? My daughter's doing all her own makeup, putting on her own clothes that don't fit, walking into Lowe's looking like a stripper, right? <laughs> Edit that part out, sorry. I needed a humor break. But everybody says like, everybody says like oh, oh, you know, all these things we practice, painting nails. Do you know how many drop passes my kid dropped? And I keep throwing passes, throwing passes, throwing passes. How are our kids ever going to learn the presence of God? We get down there and we practice with them. We pray with them. It doesn't have to be perfect. We begin to pray with them. We begin to worship with them. We make sure they're in the house of God. Because in the kingdom of God, it's not practice makes perfect. It's practice makes permanent. When the scripture says train them up, that's it. It's practice. Train them up. Develop it in them. And then practice makes permanent. When they get old, they won't depart from it. Can I get an amen today? I'll close with this. I wish... I wish our kids listened to what we said. (laughs) Didn't you hear what I said? Didn't you hear what your mother told you to do? Kids don't listen. They don't learn by what we say. Our kids learn by what we do. Practice it. We have to show them it. We have to show them it. Once you get later, once you get older in life, you say, oh, I grew up and we did these things. We don't say, oh, when I grew up, my parents said, and I did it all. No, you say, I'm doing this because we did it growing up. This is what we did. We practiced it. Are you with me? And it goes on for generations. And so we got to get it right. Come home from work and I had a busy day and I'm upset and I had a bad day and I walked through that door and I say, everybody get out of here. I had a bad day. Leave me alone. I worked hard today and I had a bad day and I deserved to do my own thing tonight. And you know what you just taught your kids to do? You taught them two things. One, you taught them that their presence will put you in an even worse mood. You said, I don't want you around. I had a bad day. You're going to make it worse. But what you just taught was your kids are now going to affect their kids with that same posture and tone. They're going to come home on their bad days and say, get away from me, kids. What we do now and how we behave now is actually already training our grandchildren. Hear this. I know this is a deep thought. But you say, oh, these are my kids. Yes, but what you do with your kids now is already training them to train their grandkids. So you're already making an impact on a generation that hasn't even come yet. Grandparents, hear me on this. The second leading cause of death among teenagers is suicide. Second leading cause of death among teenagers is suicide. And they say that if a grandparent has a healthy role in a teenager's life, they have a less than a 1% chance of suicide. That statistic just gets wiped out. If a grandparent has a role in a grandchild's life, meaning they're supporting their daughter-in-law, they're supporting their son-in-law, they're supporting what they're doing in their home as they're raising their grandkids, they're coming in and they're prophetically speaking what they see. I don't know about you, but at my funeral, at your funeral, yeah, it's one thing if someone gets up and says, oh, you know, we're just going to miss the way that they made cookies and baked pies and made caramel corn. We're going to miss that about them. Or... What if your legacy as a papa, as a grandpa, 
is they're going to get up and say, boy, I'm just going to miss the way that they prophetically spoke over me and declared truth to me and saw what they see and spoke it over me. What if that's the testimony of our grandparenthood? I don't think you ever get to step away. Grandparents say, like, ah, those kids coming over, they're loud and they're noisy and they make a mess and they arrest and everything. Yeah. And in that middle, you get to say what you see and you get to speak over them and you get to, are you with me today? Statistically, you're preventing catastrophe in a teenager if you're a healthy grandparent supporting. Can I get an amen today? We never stop being a prophetic voice. You come home on a bad day, this is what you're going to remind yourself. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. What does that mean, Pastor? It means when you've had a hard day, you're devoted to one another in love. You say, guys, I had a bad day today. But I love you guys so much, I know that you're going to make it so much better for me. We're honoring above ourselves. Boy, I have the right to be in a bad mood. I worked hard, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep being a dedicated dad. So I'm going to go get the basketball. Hey, guys, give me five minutes. I got it, and we're going to play some basketball? Dedicated and honor and love. We're going to be committed. Are you with me today? One more thing before, before we close. You might be in here and say, Pastor, I got a wayward child. Like, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like I messed it up. I want to take some time together corporately praying for that wayward child to come back home. And I'm going to give you a scripture uh, that is a promise to you that you can pray and you can declare and you can believe even as you're hearing it right now. But I believe the power of corporate prayer, us being together in this moment saying, hey, you know what? God's not done. I've trained them up. And God, your word and your promise is that they won't depart. And so in this messy middle, we're just going to pray and intercede and we're going to declare and use our word that that child comes home. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah 31, 16 says this. This is what the Lord says. <laughs> Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy. And I don't know who you know that has crossed over the enemy's lines and it feels lost to you and it feels like it's not going to come back. I'm here to tell you this is what the Lord says. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord. They will return from the land of the enemy. Today, dedicated dads in this room, and moms and grandparents listening and people watching, we are going to do what God's called us to do, which is to use our words to declare that it's time for them to come home from the land of the enemy. Yeah. We're going to call them back home as, as spiritual fathers. We're going to say, hey, it's time to return from the land of the enemy. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your words and your truth. But God, today on Father's Day, we know your heart is for the one the one who's wandered off, the one who's gone astray. God, in this room and those watching online, however and whenever they may be listening, God, I pray that they partner right now in our unity, in our intercession, as we call home the wayward one. 
God, we just pray over everyone who's gone over to enemy's lines. God, we pray that you dim every attraction. You dry up every land that once used to seem so much better. God, we we pray that you just close every door, silence every voice that once was a lure. And God, I pray that you just give them the desire like the prodigal son to run home to who you are. God, let us be a people who receive them and celebrate them as they get to experience your forgiveness and your redemption. In Jesus' name, amen.